0: Tennis channel tennis podcast. We are going to start off with a quick conversation with Petra Kvitova. Uh, we'd been talking about having her on, and she uh graciously agreed to spend some time. We had a bit of a Skype issue, in full disclosure. Petra is in Prague, and then she had to go practice, so this is a quick conversation, but uh, always lovely speaking with her. Um, a fan favorite for, for good reason, and she is now up to number three in the world came very close to winning the Australian Open, which would have been a comeback, dare I say, I don't know about commensurate to Tiger Woods, but would have been a, a, a stirring comeback story. Uh, we talk a little bit about that. We talk a little bit about her disappointment in losing. We talk a bit about Tiger. And um, again, a nice brief conversation with um, a justifiable fan favorite. Uh, here's Petra Kvitova. You You're taking a week off?
1: Yeah, I'm practicing,
0: yeah. How much time can you take off at once? Do you you like this break in April where everybody seems to uh, take a few weeks and lay low before clay?
1: I I like it. I didn't have it last time, last year, but uh, I feel like sometimes it's really important to have a break um, because, you know, you are not a robot and sometimes the body and the mind has to be clearer, so I played like much more tournament last year and i decided kind of to have a little bit off now so that's why yeah i like it
0: i was thinking it's it's only the middle of april but it's been uh you've had a lot to deal with this year it's been a very busy year uh it's been a very busy year yeah. so far how, how are you how how are you holding up how's it going
1: yeah it's, it's uh you're right. i mean i, I played a lot of tennis already this year and uh it's it feels like for me it's like it's just uh, April and uh, you know I have a lot of uh, already in my belt and um, it's pretty interesting you know sometimes you are waiting for such a good result and play so many matches even before and uh, suddenly I'm already over it so it's 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 good and I'm ha- very happy for that for sure especially. Uh, those finals I played winning the Sydney and playing the final in the Melbourne. So I'm not complaining at all.
0: When you leave Melbourne like that? did did you leave what what are your emotions after a tournament where you you play so well and and you so come so close? can can you leave a, a major like that happy or, or does it still sting a little bit?
1: no I, I I wasn't happy to be honest. I mean, of course, I've been in the final, but on the other hand, I know how. How winning Grand Slam feels like, and uh, you know, for me, it was was a great two weeks. But on the other hand, um, I lost in the final, which uh, is not great for me. So I'm always kind of trying to to be better, and I lost um, like like that in the final because I'm first small. So, but you know, in a couple of days afterwards, I realized how great the tournament was for me, and uh, it was a uh, it was great, yeah, in the
0: end of the day. I'm wondering, did did you watch the golf? Did you watch Tiger Woods on Sunday? Did you happen to watch that?
1: Uh, no, unfortunately, I didn't see it, but uh, I saw just uh, the end, you know, on the social media. I saw it like how it won, but unfortunately, I didn't see it live.
0: I, I was curious what your reaction was. I mean, obviously, the the circumstances are very, very different, but as someone who also has made a comeback what it was yeah. like for you to, to see that result that, that he made what was well, that like for you? I
1: really admire him for so many reasons and so many years and I feel like the Tiger Woods is a goal um, and uh, I'm very happy for him I'm always cheering for him when he, he plays something so I'm really happy for him definitely and after 14 years come on it's a long long way and uh, I know how that feels when you are trying to come back after such a things which happened in his life too in mine too and different kind of equation but in the end of the day there's a comeback so um, it's, it's great that he didn't give up which uh, is the best thing which I can see and um, yeah it's great I,
0: I got another question for you off, off of the news when, when you played at the French Open did, did you ever go to Notre Dame
1: uh, yeah, I've been there just last year, in the end of the last year when I took my niece to, to Paris, to Disneyland, so we were uh, in the city as well, and uh, and um, we saw Notre Dame as well. I,
0: I thought you had told that story. Um, I, I feel like it, this was one of these weird moments yesterday where I feel like the whole world came together uh, to, to watch one news story. Um, let me ask you: the the big story in women's tennis this year is obviously, I, th- I think we're up to eighteen tournaments now with eighteen different uh, winners. Yeah. Why? Why do you think that is? What's going on?
1: Well, I think that um, it's not only in our case, but uh, when we are not counting Roger, there is a uh, yeah, right, a right, different
0: right, the men uh, too. W-
1: winners as well on the male side. Right. So, I think that we are just showing that. You know, everybody can just beat everyone, and uh, we the tennis is very open, and everybody is just really working hard, and there are really small differences uh, between those players, and uh, which it I think it's very nice. You know, you are not boring as a board, as a as a fan, and uh, you are really seeing everything um, and new faces, which it's nice, I think it also seems to me that there's a would you
0: agree with this there seems to be more variety now than maybe five years ago that you may have all of these different winners and it's not um you know it's not predictable but you play nothing like Barty and Sabalenka plays nothing like Kerber it, it seems like you're seeing more variety on the other side of the net would you would you agree with that
1: Actually, I don't think so, because we are seeing those variability for so many years already. We are not just showing up right now, so I think I'm playing similar game as Sabalenka and I'm on the tour pretty long already and Kik Herber is there pretty long as well, so I don't think it's uh, because of it. I just think that those variability is just there and, uh, you know, Simona Haaland is playing different game as well, so I don't think it's just right now, no. no.
0: Learn more at marines.com. Um, I, I was going to ask you about that. It, it occurred to me you're you're sort of halfway between uh, you know you're, you're halfway between Andreescu and Venus. You're uh, you're you're smack in the middle of, of your career. What what's been the biggest change since you've come about? I mean, how, how's the sport changed, even since you won Wimbledon in uh, in twenty eleven?
1: I think the sport changed for sure. I think it's mentally and physically tougher than it was before. Or I just realized it maybe now when I'm a little bit older and I do have the experiences. But when I was younger, you know, I just played for pretty fearless and I just didn't care about nothing. I just went on the court and didn't think who is playing on the on the other side but you know now I think you need to know a little bit the opponent as well and kind of play a little bit uh, with, the, with the mind like the tactical tactical way and um, that's what I, I feel that has changed. You know everybody knows how to play forehand and backhand and serve and whatever but in those important points when you have a break point or a game point you just need to really play your best in that important point and you know, we are seeing so many comebacks uh, in the match when you are down 5-2 or whatever and you you came back and, and win the match, which... The tennis is a beautiful sport because you never know until the last point it's it's over who's going to win.
0: So does that get easier when you have more experience and more wisdom? Or is it easier when Petra Vidova is 19 years old and, and maybe... Just goes out there and, and doesn't feel pressure. W- w- when is it easier to control the I, mental side?
1: I think when I was younger it was easier because I didn't think that much. Now I realize like, so many things, <laughs> uh, uh, like in the game and in the life as well. And uh, now I I have those experiences and I know what I need to do and what I kind of uh, need to do to be better and better. And in you know when I was younger, of course, that I did have my coach who 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 are uh, who are talking to me those things but when you have experience that's the best Uh, you can't buy them so yeah I think it's important
0: did you play other sports growing up
1: yeah I did I played volleyball I played basketball I played Ben Ben John as well so I played lots of like lots of sports I mean I played something even before I played tennis,
0: yeah. So what, I mean, this is something we deal with in the United States a lot, right? That that kids are, are young athletes and they're trying to decide what, what sport to play and, and tennis tr- tries to recruit as many as possible, but it's it's sometimes hard, especially in team sports. Why did you choose tennis?
1: Well, it was pretty easy because in, in Funag when I was born, oh. it wasn't really you know, uh sports to play for, for girls. It was only volleyball and tennis. I played basketball but in the school afterwards. But like uh, in 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 school like I we had only tennis. Uh the volleyball wasn't like on the high high level and actually I choose it because I like it. I like it more than the volleyball. So that's why I I choose tennis.
0: Yeah. What's your relationship with the sport right now? I mean, how much does your... Let's put it this way. How much does your relationship change during the course of a career? I mean, do you feel the same way about tennis you did 10 years ago? Uh,
1: No, I don't think so. I played tennis because I really enjoyed the game and I have always, like, the passion and I just didn't really think too much about it. Which I think changed now um, because, you know, of course, that I see it a little bit differently uh, over the years, but I still do have the love for for game. I still have the passion for game, which is the best. Um, I had a moment in my career when uh, I was so exhausted from everything and I just need to uh, have a kind of big breath and to breathe more easily than before. The pressure was just amazing. So, yeah, I'm seeing a sport a little bit differently as well. All
0: right, you've got to go practice. One last question. What what are the expectations for Clay? What what do you expect from yourself before Wimbledon?
1: Wow, wow. Not sure. I mean, I didn't think about it. Um, I do have some... Some points to defend, especially in Prague and Madrid. But uh, um, I don't really have expectation, to be honest. I mean, the clay. I I know I can play well on the clay, but on the other hand, it feels just weird for me sometimes to move it on. And um, you know, I think I I already did great job in the beginning of the season and I just don't want to put any pressure on me again to kind of you know, playing under the pressure is the worst, so I'm going to try to enjoy the tennis on the clay you know, on the sliding as well and uh, we'll see what will happen
0: No pressure Um, It is always a pleasure (laughs) Go go, go practice, but uh, thanks for spending some time, always a pleasure
1: Thank you very much Have a good day You too, take care
0: all right. Thanks to Petra for spending some time before practice. Thanks, as always, to Jamie. Jamie, we should add that uh, we had some communications issues in our new studio with the Skype and calling overseas. Petra was um, apologetic, and we will uh, we'll get her back one of these days. But um, I thought a few things were really interesting about that in our brief conversation. One is so often you hear players lose in the final of majors and say, oh, it's been a great week, and uh, I need to take this – positive energy forward and they'll get to the last week get to the last round of a major and it's still a good tournament that did not seem to be the case she came very close to beating Naomi Osaka in the Australian Open final and was very uh upfront about the fact that uh she did not leave thrilled to have won six matches um sounds like that defeat stung which uh is not always the case with players who reach the finals of majors
2: I was also happy to hear that she is open and willing to take a break i thought that was uh you know a good question by you to gauge how players feel about taking some time off especially at this point in the season and what we know what they do i mean she said she's obviously she was going off to practice right now so it's not like she's sitting around doing nothing but it's always interesting to me to see the ebb and flow of the season and how the players are working through that
0: i admit to i went on a bit of a fishing expedition asking her uh about Tiger Woods, but I, I do wonder someone when we all, we all know the backstory with Petra. I mean, again, I think one of the more remarkable stories this year is that days after reaching the Australian open final, she's in a courtroom testifying and confronting her attacker who is subsequently, uh, sentenced. I think that's a story very, very much. Um, I think she understandably is not necessarily eager to discuss it, but I think that's a story that really speaks to a certain level of mental toughness that, um, Perhaps she doesn't get enough credit for it. But I, I do wonder what it was like for her. She's in the throes of her own comeback. Obviously, completely different set of circumstances from Tiger Woods. But still, there's some parallels in a, a sports comeback because a sports comeback at some level. Um, did, did you watch the golf Sunday?
2: Yeah, I watched a little bit of it.
0: What, uh, what were you thinking?
2: Uh, I mean, first of all, I don't know if we're going to have a bigger sports moment this year i mean uh, for 2019 so far it's mid-april i know
0: we just filed our taxes and it's you're true. saying uh it's no true. i think you're probably i think I mean, you're probably it, right it's yeah, yeah.
2: it's incredible i think uh this theme that is in tennis with older players and you know we have the roger fetters and the serenas of the world who kind of keep amazing us we all thought they were going to retire five ten years ago and here they are still winning um so i think for for Tiger to extend that theme is remarkable. Everything he's been through um, personally professionally, I think it's just a great thing for people to realize that you, you can come back and you, you know, you, you, you can do those things again. Um, and as you said, for, for Petra, I think it was interesting to hear, you know, she she didn't watch necessarily, but she heard. And I think she, as she said, she really respects him as, as an athlete and, interesting to hear as you said she's in her own sort of comeback so
0: yeah i think that with tiger we, we all know the backstory and we all know the the context and the redemption but i think you raise a good point jamie just strictly from an age and time perspective 43 years old and 2008 was his last major i right. mean 2008 you we could have fun with this i mean i looked it up uh well, I was, you know, Ana Ivanovich was ranked number one. That was, <laughs> I think, a few days after. I think that was the week after the 2008 French Open. So we ha- we have not had Rafa Nadal win a major outside of Paris in 2008. Serena Williams had eight majors. You know, we could whatever, f- Felix, right, right, uh, right, O.J., right. obviously, I mean, was, was yeah, seven years yeah, yeah. old. We can have fun with this. I mean, Obama hadn't been elected yet. But point is, that's a long, long time, even for someone as magnificently skilled as, as Tiger Woods. Right, and I think that's a long time to go without majors.
2: I think it's an interesting compare and contrast to continued excellence. You know, at you know from a young age to an older age. For for him, he was so good, so young, and obviously had this peak, and then really came crashing down. That's a downfall. And then now he's he you know has slowly climbed back up. And, you know, he wasn't – it's not like he's been doing great for years and years. So I think um, that that whole concept, too, is just really remarkable. When we talk about Serena sustaining even through all the things and, and Federer sustaining, um, yeah.
0: You're preempting my question. Uh, Wait, I, I mean, one thing I'd say about Tiger is that, to me, it's sort of interesting how that breaks down. I mean, part of it is just sort of the the morality tale, right, and right. the image. We all know with, right, right. what he went through. I mean, part of it is I think that some of this Thanksgiving fire hydrant story – you know, he's been a rehab. I mean, I think some of the two has masked the fact that he's had some really serious injuries. I mean, we talk about Nadal on his knee. You pick a tennis player. You pick about Nadal on his knees. I mean, Tiger Woods has had, I think it was four back surgeries and right. a neck surgery. I mean, this is serious business where people were saying he he walks around like an old man, and what's he going to look like when he's 45 years old? So I think strictly physically, this has been a remarkable recovery. And then again, I mean, this was one of the transcendency. I'm. I'm gonna. I try not to go here all the time, but 1997. (laughs) Depress me and tell me how old you are. I mean, this. This. I'll just say that uh, as someone who I've actually got a few years on Tiger. I mean, this was an absolutely transcending, transfixing sports story. I mean, it was probably Michael Jordan number one, but Tiger was one A. Right. And in in my lifetime, and older people say Muhammad Ali, but to me, I mean, it's it's Jordan one, Tiger one A, and we're talking more than Kobe, and we're talking more than. Steph Curry and, and Ronaldo, I mean, go, sort of go down the list. Um, it This is just a remarkable story, and no matter how often it's told. Um, the, that fall from grace was like nothing I've ever seen. And right, then again, right. if you said at age 43, with everything he's been through and, and four back surgeries later, he'd be winning. That I, I think you're absolutely right. I think you can probably safely say we're not going to have a, um, a moment like that in sports for the rest of the year. Let me um, – I'll give you my riff later, but uh, – let me – you want to have a mail a mailback question I was given, which sure. is hypothetically, if Serena Williams, after all she has been through and now coming back from maternity leave, if she were to win a major, um, had she beaten Naomi Osaka? And I, I don't think – I think the question I don't have in front of me. I, mean, I think the question was phrased sort of subsequent to that. So if Serena Williams wins a major now, um, where does that rank? How does that compare to the Tiger Woods winning the Masters story from Sunday? What do you, you think is a bigger comeback? What do you think is a bigger story?
2: Hmm. Well, I think I mean we just mentioned the the Tiger Fall from Grace and and that part of the story is something I think we could talk about for hours. I think that's a beast of its own. Uh there's a lot of opinions to be had there. Um I I I'm split. I like I said earlier I think it's it's good for him to show that somebody can come back from that sort of reputational disaster. Um but I don't know. I think I think it's very different. Uh, You know, Serena's motherhood and everything that she's went through in her career I think is a very different situation than what Tiger went through. But because Serena has – I think she was so dominant for so long and, number one, no one could beat her. And then she, you know, stepped away from the game, had Olympia, and came back and and hasn't won, and she's faltered. But she's gotten there and proven she can sort of – Fight her way back, but she hasn't won. I think that winning a major now w- would be a pretty big deal because I think a lot of people thought that she was going to come back and just dominate. Again. Yeah, right, right. And no, she there's hasn't. Been some struggle, exactly. And physical struggle and um, injuries. She's pulled out of tournaments, viral illness. You know, no, I, just, know you I think baby, some of this <laughs> too.
0: Right. I mean, so, some of this is ju- exactly. That's 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 a really good point. I mean, some of this is just physical injuries and weight distribution and getting in shape and out of shape and in shape. I think some of this is probably about your immune system. I think some of this is probably about the rigors of balancing work and play. I think that's a really good point. This isn't just about Serena running wind sprints and getting her body into shape strictly from a a physique perspective. Um, What do you think? I think Serena winning would be a great story. I don't think it has quite the sweep and scope of Tiger in this redemption story. But this is my one—Bill Simmons had a funny— riff the other day where he sort of said you, you, you try to zig where everybody else zags but it just sounds gratuitous with Tiger because who among us didn't smile watching this story play out? Here's my one attempt at a zag. You ready?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That in a large part these comeback stories you sort of have you have to fall to have a comeback mm-hmm. um, in Tiger's sense this was largely his own doing just to some extent anyway his his own doing Is it a little bit unfair that Roger, Rafa, Djokovic, Serena were more consistent? They did not take these wild detours. They did not go to these dark places. They didn't, candidly, they didn't go to rehab. They didn't go to rested. They didn't have these tawdry, tabloid stories. Um, Roger Federer will never have a comeback story like Tiger Woods. Neither will Rafa. Even Serena, getting pregnant, I would submit is is quite different from what tiger's been through do you feel a little like the consistent athlete gets punished and the consistent athlete doesn't get this feel-good comeback story i mean roger went five years without winning a major but it's not like our public i was just writing about this for the mailbag because i think i might have at this it's not like roger's our, our image of him changed. it's not like he descended into this dark place where we all wondered what he was really about no he came close and he was still in the top five and he was still roger and life was good Novak had a rough 2017. He did not have a Tiger Woods rough 17. Serena's had her ups and downs, but they have not compared to Tiger Woods' ups and downs. Is there something to this point that the athletes, and I'm thinking specifically the tennis players, who have been more consistent, haven't made messes of their personal lives, haven't taken these wild detours that in a weird way they're depriving themselves of this comeback narrative that we all fell in love with on Sunday
2: knee surgeries and birth complications are just not good enough to overcome uh no that's what I'm I I agree with you I that's what I'm saying is that Tiger Woods story has so much more heft to it because of all the things he's been through personally there's an argument to say that that kind of thing shouldn't matter when it comes to you know on, on the field results right but it does, and it plays a huge role. And I think because those personal da- like downfalls and all of that, they extend beyond sports. They go into you know, Entertainment Weekly picks it up, and they're just it's 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 a huge deal when somebody like that steps in. You know, they cross over into this celebrity spotlight. And can I ask that- you a personal question? Oh yes, you
0: can uh, edit this out if this is uh, a bridge too far. Um, but I'm curious as as a As a female, as a woman in this industry, um, I don't. I mean, we can sort of talk about it in a a me too context if you want. Anything about this Tiger Woods story sticking in your craw, or I mean, can can he redemption is the word Jim Nance used. I mean, can, can he redeem himself?
2: I think, I mean, I said it earlier, I I go in both ways on things when it comes to redeeming himself or his comeback. I think it's been so long that I think a lot of people probably forget a lot of the details of the situations that he went through and and what he did. And so I think, you know, it's really just a a time heals kind of thing. Uh, It does bother me a little bit because I, I do, I actually recently was reading back from those articles from Thanksgiving 2009 and all that stuff. And so I I almost have those details a little bit fresher in my mind, probably more than others. So I, it does bother me a little bit. I, I do think he and everyone, for the most part, almost deserves a chance to redeem themselves and, and, and find a way. I don't think that a sporting achievement necessarily redeems himself in that way. Um, you know, I think it's two different things. He has an injury, and he comes back from injury – through a sporting achievement like he did on Sunday. That's one aspect of it. I think redeeming his personality and his reputation from his personal life is another situation. A lot of the, the whole reason why or part of the reason why a lot of that happened to him was because he was so just overwhelmed by his celebrity and his, you know, uh, dealing with all of the things that came with his accomplishments. Right, so right. now that he's back at that point, is he going to deal with it differently? I think that's the biggest test and that's ultimately how he redeems himself in that area. Good answer. Thanks. We didn't
0: rehearse this. You didn't know I was coming with that. That is a good <laughs> impromptu answer right Thank there. Thank you. Um, let me ask you, as long as we're tapping into your uh, to your expertise, oh boy. Um, this is more age and technology and not gender. Slow weekend, I, mean, I was thinking, what what would we talk about in tennis? Right. Bit of a slow week again. A- April's a weird tennis month and we're transitioning into clay. We, uh, As we talked about with Petra, we're now up to 18 winners in 18 events. I was surprised by your answer, by the way. I mean, one reason—we've we, talked about this. You and I have talked about this. I think one reason why this parody uh, is appealing to me on the women's side is that there may be parity, but there's a lot of variation represented. I'm not sure we've seen that. Um, I, I would submit that the 18 different winners represent an awfully wide swath of, of tennis playing and abilities and countries and ages— And I think that's one reason why um, this parody seems to work right now. And she raised a good point, too. It's not just on the women's side. To take Roger Federer out of the equation, he won, of course, Miami and uh, Dubai. And every men's event has had a different winner as well. So maybe it's just where we are uh, as a sport. More different winners this weekend. Amanda. Anna Samova won a small event as a teenager, which is in keeping with a theme from this year. But didn't beat a seeded player, but I think yeah,
2: you know, exactly. This was, this, was a, uh,
0: this, this was not a the 27 Yankees. This was not Murder's Row she had to but go through. But good for her. I think good for her. And that's you know a big what? Step. It's also strategic. I mean, what's one thing that everyone says about? Kornikova, she never won a title. Mm-hmm. She could have entered some 250, you know, some, some right, smaller right. level event and never had to deal with that. So good for Anna, Amanda Nisimova. Whatever she does, she she will not have that uh, attached to her. I, it's a
2: good good point because I think it shows that the people around her perhaps are thinking about right. that sort of thing. And she probably got an appearance fee.
0: But um, <laughs> the uh, the what you know what struck me in, in tennis a couple of them. one of them was um, Sasha Biden, now back uh, yeah. back to coaching didn't take him long to uh, find another gig. I think that's that's an interesting interesting one now with uh, Mladenovic, Serbian connection. But um, she's a player. It mean, was a player who two years ago people were picking to win the French Open. So it's been a bit of a struggle. But he's sort of buying on the dip. Uh, that that's an interesting that's an interesting move. The other thing that I wanted to uh, this is my segue. I was very struck by. Do you follow Belinda Bencic on Twitter? it's just uh, a bit indirectly. of a random question, but uh, indirectly. Um, you should. She's terrific. And she's uh, she, she's very witty. And the past few days she has had at her trolls and she has retweeted these horrible remarks that have been uh, directed to her. And she's diffused them with humor. And I think it's really effective. I mean, on the one hand, it's just revealing how loathsome people can be. And she lose a match and they say, oh, you you, you stupid. You cost me a thousand dollars and she'll. Right back, boy, uh, l- lend me some money, I'm broke too. I think, f- first of all, it's interesting, we talk about social media bullying and what I-, I think women athletes in particular have to go through, and she has made this very apparent and revealed and exposed just how awful people can be. But also, I think this idea of um, responding with humor is very effective in, in delegitimizing. Um, to-, to me, it just seems like a, it's it's it works. I think it's very smart. and. Um, I wanted to ask you, this is my segue. As a, uh, do you call yourself a digital native? A digital you native. You are far tech savvier than just about anyone else on this floor. So uh, I ask you, as a fan of tennis and someone who is uh, very tech savvy, five best social media games in tennis. What do you got?
2: Games, you mean people? No,
0: oh, I mean, oh, who's, who's got the best? Yeah, who's got. <laughs> oh, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> they want to edit that James. out. Um, the, uh, yeah. Um, Who's who's got the strongest social media presence? I'm gonna have a sip of coffee. Give us your give us your top Um, five.
2: I love this question. I have lots of good ones for this. I think we can start with obvious. Roger Federer is very good at Twitter, but uh, we don't really have to talk much about it. But there is a not Roger Federer account that everyone should be following because it's very funny. Right. Uh, Pseudo Fed is is very good. Um, I always there will be random times comes to the feed. I get a good laugh. Um, so that's that's a good one. Not not a real player, but that's just, we'll get that one out of the way. Um, you, you like Roger though. Yeah, I and think and it's
0: self-effacing, and it's. I mean, to me, I think uh, it's a great great insight into
2: something about Federer using emojis.
0: No, and you get the feeling well. they're they're going to be four kids that are going to be like dad. <laughs> but it's uh, to to me, it's very it's very endearing, and um, there's there's no too cool for school. What else you got?
2: Um, Andy Roddick is one of my favorite Twitter people. Not not a current player, but he counts. He he does count. Um, he's equally good at, as you say about Belinda Benchetrit, a little uh, diffusing some people saying things at him, or just he'll he'll take random comments about people and completely just tear down takes, which is really fun. Um, he he's got some good sense of humor. We we've had him on the podcast before. Good friend of yours. So I uh, I, I give him a nod on, on this one too.
0: Good one. Who else you got?
2: Um, this is a recent one. This is a personal, personal recent favorite on on Instagram. We'll we'll switch over. But uh, Gail Monfils and Alina Svitolina have now started. Oh yeah, it's an, gem life. This Instagram account because they are now dating. I will I will tell you a fun fact what that I was at the Taste of Tennis event last. I think it was last year before the U.S. Open, and I was you know just walking around, standing there, and. Um, Serena, I think it was right around where Serena was on stage and I happened to be standing next to Spitalina and I just was like, you know, looking over and I see her, I mean, I wasn't snooping, but I see her saving Gail Monfils into her phone. Like she was standing there in the middle of the place and she was typing it into her address book. <laughs> and I thought it was very interesting. You know, I was like, wow, that's really funny. Like they're getting each other's numbers, you, you know, uh,
0: if only you knew. Jamie, you were at the you're uh, cutting edge,
2: and so here we are. They are now together, and they have this Instagram with they
0: have this wacky Instagram page that Federer photobombed.
2: Sixty thousand followers, yeah, Federer, yeah, it's you saw it's, that. It's good. Um, you know, it's it's a fun little insight into a little bit of the traveling and the little things that happen on tour between the two of them. So it's a decent one. It's,
0: it strikes me as such. I mean, they they seem very supportive of each other, and uh, they. Social media presence is cool. Two uh, two athletes at fairly different points yeah. in their career. It's also, an interesting she's sort of mashup. But
2: 24, 25, and he's like 30 something. 32. He's young at heart. Um, yeah, that is very. True. What?
0: Uh, who else you got?
2: Um. Who else I got? I'm 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 gonna throw a controversial Nakirios in here. I'll buy that. Um. Yeah, I'm buying. I I think I think he can. He probably needs to stop checking his Twitter feed so often, but he's pretty good at it. Maybe for that reason, um, and I think it's funny that he's always retweeting or commenting on so many NBA things. Um, I, I think his his love for the NBA is particularly interesting, and he's. I'll give uh, you.
0: Uh, I'll give you a, a curious one, you, which you is. You know uh, about curious. Oh he he had a run at me uh yeah. a while ago. No, I, I have no uh I got no problem with that. And um I'm I'm with you. I mean I think his his feed is revealing and I think that uh he'll have it the media, he'll retweet. I mean I, I, I I'm with you on that. Remember when he had the match with uh Moleani and I'm blanking on the opponent? Oh uh Herbert, the, the French player. Yes. Um Uh so he's if if you go and check the TikTok on this. Uh, Donna Vekic had some tweet about uh, you know I always thought the umpires were supposed to be neutral I'm paraphrasing here obviously Uh, there's some history there obviously with Kyrgios and Donna Vekic but (laughs) then Kyrgios has back at it with Donna Vekic and if you look at the TikTok he must have checked his phone on the walk from the court back into the locker room I mean the match ended literally five minutes later he's having a Twitter feud and to me Say, say what you will about curious I think that reinforced to me how athletes and social media is a story that Sports Illustrated really ought to do um, it is such a dimension of sports these athletes get they've got their membrane of of yes men and of sycophants, but this unfiltered social media feed they are slaves to at some level
2: I i don't know where adam silver well i think it was adam silver he was at a conference somewhere and he was talking at the sloan conference with uh with bill yeah and and, and, and then yes and he was talking about how literally he's like i can't get like something someone needs to change something because all they care about is their instagram feeds all these guys care about is is going on social media and um you know i think the the one quote probably got pulled out of a larger conversation that that they were having but um it's it's I agree. No, it's we we story. were doing this
0: uh, this Warriors piece, and one thing I heard again and again was that social media is a real dimension of this team. And players pick up their phone and they go through their mentions and they read, "You need to shoot more," or "You need to get a better situation," or "Your agent's doing you wrong," and it really sticks in their craw. And I see it in tennis too. I mean, uh, talk to coaches. Um, I probably am not Liberty, to, I should probably double check before naming names, but you know, I've spoken to a number of coaches who say, listen, well, I can't get through an hour of practice without the player walking over, getting a sip of water and checking their phone. I can't get through to my player by the time I see them in the locker room, they have already scrolled through Twitter. Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter and Facebook. So um, we should do that as a story at uh, Sports Illustrated. All right, we're, we're taking a big detour here. We need one more uh, one oh, more no, social you media account. I
2: think I gave you a lot. I want to hear no, some I, I just want
0: to give. I want to give a nod to uh, to because I thought that um, I thought in in one sort of clever sleight of hand, um, she both gave some sense of what players have to deal with and how sports gambling has infected this sport, and she also um, I, I think I tweeted this out. There was a story in the New York Times about a neo-Nazi par. Stick with me here. A neo-Nazi parade in Germany, and the counter protesters instead of angrily holding up signs, the counter protesters were crazy wigs and they goose stepped with the Nazis and it basically had the effect of completely delegitimizing the other side and turning the whole thing into a circus. Um, I can repost that. It's a, it's a great piece of social psychology and basically how to meet and how to confront evil. And one way you do it is to not take it seriously, to poke fun at it and to delegitimize it. And I think that's something perhaps inadvertently that um, Belinda Benchich did.
2: Madison keys does that. Uh, as well, I, I've seen her.
0: That's big, a big. This is like a big issue and, for. Madison and exactly,
2: I was going to say. I think she's probably another one that we can mention. I think she's very good at Twitter. At she, she's very open. She's very funny. She, you know, I think she posted something the other day about buying a chair at Target, and she severely underestimated the size of the chair and overestimated <laughs> right, right. the the you know ability of her trunk. Uh, you know, so fun stuff like that. Um, and she's uh, has. I think it's a partnership with fearlessly girl which is you know to help uh young women of, right. and and in in this kind of social media age deal with all these things. So I think she deserves a nod in that in the same way you know Bentrich has come at some of her haters. I think Madison has had to deal with a lot of that and she's openly talked about it as well.
0: We will nod to Madison Keys. <laughs> Madison Keys and Bentrich by the way, two of the 18 winners that we have been discussing this year on the wta tour um all right thanks jamie thanks for your uh, 20-something perspective always appreciate it um thanks to petra kvitova for spending a few moments with us we'll talk to her again always a pleasure speaking with her we will have another guest next week um jamie take us out if people were interested where might they subscribe to this podcast and what ought they to do when they get there
2: they can go on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Podcasts, however they listen to their podcasts, and they should leave us a review. I haven't checked the reviews in a while. Reminds me.
0: No, nor I. But we'll do that I right should. now. Is
2: that is that like reading the comments?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't uh, don't read the comments. Don't check the reviews. But no, thanks everyone. No, the one thing I, I will leave say. Good feedback. Yeah, exactly. Some yeah. of the feedback, um, and, and we are not groveling for compliments. Some of the feedback about uh, guests. In particular, is uh, is always very appreciated. So, thanks everyone for uh, for listening. Thanks, Jamie. Always a pleasure. Thank you. We'll do it again next week.